Barrio Costero brings fresh tacos, vibrant shared plates, colorful cocktails, and some of the finest agave spirits our coastal neighborhood has to offer to its loyal local community. Their name, Spanish for Coastal Neighborhood, embodies their approach to seasonal cooking and genuine hospitality in the vibrant seaside community of Asbury Park. Check out Barrio Costero at 610 Bangs Avenue, Asbury Park, New Jersey. Follow them on Instagram, Barrio Costero AP, and Chase the Rabbit. Welcome back to Matt and Mike Read Comics. This is Mike. And that's Matt. And, and we, we read comics. comics. Uh, we're back here from our, it's called our holiday break. We took some time off in December. Let's and, do it. Yeah, right. Um, but we're back here at the stash, as we always are, on our Wednesday night routine. And today we are talking about Starman. Yes, we are. Starman, just a great concept. And it was like the proving ground. For an up-and-coming writer, yep, a guy who made his bones originally on the Golden Age, which was a four-issue uh, Elseworlds tale. It was uh, in the prestige format, same format that uh, Batman: The Dark Knight was under, right? And just so cool, uh, you know. This was they saved Hitler's brain, but with the Justice Society of America. <laughs> uh, anyone who hasn't read it. Sorry, I just spoiled the living shit out of it, but um, it was it was really cool and well worth reading anyway, even with my spoilers. But uh, and then he went on to do um, the uh, this homage to the Golden Age Starman. Yeah, and it was it was certainly an homage, I would say, and it was interesting for me reading it because I had honestly I knew who Starman was. Um, I did not realize that there were like seventy five mm-hmm. different people with that mantle, but you know it's DC. Everybody, there's fifteen different flashes. You know there are now, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> um, but you know I so I knew very little going into it. The most I knew about it was probably what I had seen on the CW show mm-hmm. Star Girl, which is phenomenal, um, and. You know, you you get thrown into it right away with a Starman dying in, like, the second page. Right. (laughs) Like, it's wild. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they don't hold back on the action. Yeah, it's really great. And I noticed the the first thing that struck me about the book was – and once I got a few issues in, I flipped to the front to see when it was originally printed Mm -hmm. because I was like, I was like, this book feels really 90s. And I I was like, sure enough, 90s. Like, you know, just from his outfit and the the kind of the language and the attitude that he has, right? But 90s in a good way because, as we all know, the 90s were a very topsy-turvy time for the gritty, edgy characters. True, (laughs) but, uh, I mean, the 90s were a good – they were a lot – there was a lot of fun to be yeah. had in the 90s. I mean, it was the decade of uh, Beverly Hills 90210. It was Melrose Place. There was, you know, drama and sex and all sorts of stuff dripping throughout the <laughs> 90s. And, you know, uh, grunge. Yep. And it all that stuff fit into this uh, mosaic, if you will. Yeah. Comic mosaic. Yeah. Which I thought fit. It definitely did. Even like right down, like, I mean, like for, for me, let's talk about one of the most unique things in it. And I think it was, you know, very purposeful in the way that uh, James Robinson wrote it, right? With the, you know, the, the, uh, D- David Knight, right? His right. brother dying on like the second page, but he's in the classic Starman suit, which is, you know, by today's standards, kind of ridiculous looking. It's dorky. Right. It's dorky as hell. And then uh, uh, Jack Knight. 
comes in with his outfit, which is nothing more really than a leather jacket, you know, leather pants, and he's got these like World War II style goggles, yeah. you know, and it's very just like street level, like very different. Like that to me, right off the bat, was a statementist for setting the tone for the rest of the book. Oh yeah, he did it his way. Yeah, it was very Sinatra, you know, and uh, there was a lot of cool little '40s flair in there. It's like you could you could tell that they were like uh, you know. He would have been like a hep cat back in the day, you know. You, you, you know. James Robinson was trying to evoke that um, Rat Pack cor- uh, sort of um, mentality, right, throughout the entire book. Because we're going to meet some uh, some really cool characters a little bit further down. Yeah, and you get a lot of that in the in the the backdrop of Opal City, right? right. You know, it's not as it's not as gothic as Gotham is, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not as high-tech metropolitan as Metropolis is. It's kind of somewhere in the middle, like Parisian almost. You know, it has this air about it, but it's still a little seedy and a little grungy. It's almost like New Orleans. Right, exactly. Yep. So, and I love how you put, um, you know, you've got Metropolis and Gotham City, and you put those words in. I I loved it. That was great. (laughs) Well done. Um, (laughs) But this, the the thing that I love most about Starman is that um, it's got one foot in the past, one foot in the present, and it's looking towards the future. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's it's firmly in place. It, it's where it needs to be. And I think that that's what uh, elevates the storytelling. Yeah, I definitely agree because for for me at least, I I was hard pressed to think of another comic as you know that ran for as long as this one did and Mm -hmm. as prevalent as it was that told the story in the way where you know the relationship between jack and his father and you know ted who was the original um starman back in the 40s and like you you in comics at that time there weren't really a lot of those relationships where it was like father-son superhero type things like they would always you know stuff with their parents like superman with you know jonathan and martha right and batman's relationship with his dead parents whatnot but you never really creepy when you think about it exactly right but but like you never really had, you know, a former superhero passing the mantle down to his child, really, kind of at that point, you know. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the closest we had was, uh, I mean, if you want to go over to Marvel, that was like Xavier and Cyclops. Their, right. Their father-son relationship that they had, which, again, totally inappropriate. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I suppose that'll work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what what other... Like superheroes, did we have back in the day? I think we had, um, we we didn't even have Batman and Huntress, right? Because Bruce Wayne had no idea that Helena Wayne was going out and putting on the on the costume. Maybe Batman and Robin, but not even really. And right. that's there's no sidekick here. No sidekick, yeah. And that's that's the whole thing. He, he never went out. It was never Starman and Starboy, right? Never went out on patrol with Dad because Ted Knight had two separate parts of his personality. And we find out that, you know, um, it dealt with one of the cool things about this. They dealt very openly and honestly about mental illness. Yes. Which was, I never, except when James Robinson brought it up, that, you know, uh, Ted Ted Knight was uh, clinically depressed because he found out he was part of the Manhattan Project. So, you know, his... Uh, scientific, you know, discoveries led to the atomic bomb. So he he felt guilty for causing the deaths of like two hundred thousand people. Yeah. 
So he there was a very, very, very big downturn in his mental stability, like in the late 40s, early 50s. Yeah. And this is stuff that is retconned. Right, of course. You know, because nobody would talk about that <laughs> back in the 50s and 60s. Um, and we find out uh, a bunch of other really cool little tidbits, like uh, Ted Knight had an affair with... Yes, I love that. Black Canary. <laughs> yep. And uh, you, uh, it's it's very odd. And the way he found out was very odd as well. Mm-hmm. Because he found out from Wesley Dodds, the Sandman. Yes. And this is... Uh, I've never talked to any of my father's friends and had them... Like, oh, yeah, your dad used to bang this chick. And I was like, and I'm like, what? Wait a minute, huh? You know, I, I realized my father's a guy, but yeah. he was, what? You know, she did it on my mother, what? You know, and that's, and the dude's still alive. Yeah. You know, Ted Knight is still alive to be like, oh, so Wesley told you that, did he? This son of a bitch. You know, and... um. And didn't Wesley also make reference to like that he was kind of like a womanizer too at the time? Like with his, I, me- I remember him saying something like that he had had an affair with somebody else as well. Like with his wife sitting right there, and his wife was like, "Oh, that's just kind of how it is," you know, like how it was back in the day. <laughs> no, they were talking about how it it gets you. Okay, on. gotcha. Right. No, it was about like uh, Wesley and Diane. Yeah. Even though they'd never married, they were inseparable they were each right. other's life partner but no i don't think um, now that would have been very interesting uh writing like yeah so i was doing this in front of diane and it's like wow, wow you just sit there and take it right? i know like and this had a fucking comics code approval on it wow this is a wife swapping with the superheroes but they were talking about how the adrenaline gets up and when you're on a case and you know, one thing leads to another. Yeah, and I really liked how, so just to, to touch on that story arc for a little bit, I loved how the the way it was written where um, you had sort of like in the present and in the past a little bit, but the past was just like, you know, Ted talking and Ted and Jack talking, and Ted is talking about the relationships um, that he had with the JSA and like Wesley in particular, and he was like, nah, never really friends, never really talked to him, you know? And then like one issue later, they have that whole side story about how they like really teamed up, um, you know, on that, with I forget what the villain's name was, like it was like like Wesley saved his life, the gambler, basically. Yeah. Right, yeah. And they made it, you know, so he downplayed it, but, you know, on the other side, no, he was just lying to, to to Jack about it, you know, it was just like it was a really weird. cool, yeah. Because yeah, Wesley thought so much of Ted, right? And maybe Ted didn't. I don't know. Maybe. Well, uh, see, I think it kind of played into Ted's personality at the time because if you go back to like the beginning, right? He was very, you know, um, reluctant, let's say, or like, or didn't think that Jack could handle the the pressure of being Starman, of being a hero. He was like, you know, like you know, he's very dismissive of him even doing it to begin with. And Jack was of course reluctant to do it, you know, as well. And then through that first story arc with like the mist and everything, you know, when he kind of gets more into it mm-hmm. to protect his family and protect the city and everything. But he's very dismissive of Jack at the beginning to be like, he's like, yeah, you don't have what it takes. You know, it's like David had what it took, but he's got a bullet in his chest, you know, yeah. like <laughs> Well he really didn't have what it took because he has a bullet in his chest. I mean, shit happens, yeah. but not on your second day at the job. You know, if that just shows that, no, you don't have what it takes. Yeah. And like, you were going to find out later on that um, Ted always knew that Jack 
was supposed to be his successor. Okay, see, I didn't get I didn't get all the way through I, the this three thousand page no compendium. And there's and there are two of them. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah, and I'm, I'm you know hold on to it until you're done. Yeah. So, but this is just um, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. So to speak. And uh, it, I mean, we run the gamut. Uh, Opal herself becomes um, a character. Which, you know, that's one of the things I got to say that, you know, you say what you will about Marvel and being, you know, they, Stan Lee wanted to make things more grounded. He's like, none of these fake cities. Everything mm-hmm. is real. It's the real world. And, you know, because DC had all fake cities, right? But by and large, all of these fake cities, they always become characters in them of themselves. And it's right. one of the things I think DC does absolutely brilliantly. Like the backdrops they have and they, the, the life they bring to these cities makes all the stories so much richer. And may I just say one thing about Stan Lee's bullshit argument <laughs> about that is Latveria. That's all <laughs> and Doomstadt. Um, yeah, those are two places. That's a good point. I never thought those, about that. Two places I'm, I've got on my... Travel itinerary. Um, yeah, that's going. Uh, Expedia. Book me a flight to Doomstad. Um, I wonder what the Airbnb prices are over there. <laughs> you will like them. Um, but then we're, we're meeting a whole host of really weird characters. Yeah. Um, and everything ties together. The Starman mantle is pretty damn impressive. Right. You know, it started out with Ted Knight, um, and you don't know who it is yet, but you will. Yeah. The uh, Starman of 1951, they keep making reference to yes. him. So, uh, That's not Michael, the blue alien guy, right? No. Okay. The Starman of 51 was the guy who was only around for, I believe, eight months. Really? That's what they called him, yes. Yeah. Eight months or one year. I mean, yeah. It's been a while since I read it. Um, I, I mean, I love Starman. I, I read it every couple of years yeah and uh because i i want to get caught up on opal i love <laughs> opal city um and there are so many characters who end up coming to opal city and let's talk about the artwork yep i you know what i i am mixed on the artwork in some in some okay. sense i got you tony harris did a very credible job yeah like it's there's something about like there there are certain how do I put it for me for me some of the artwork felt inconsistent I guess you could mm-hmm. say like there are certain pages and 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 runs of pages and panels that I'm just like blown away by the art and there are some that just kind of fall a little bit flat for me gotcha which I don't know if I would necessarily contribute like attribute just to you know Tony Harris maybe it could be the way you know James Robinson was writing it mm-hmm. right and the layouts just didn't kind of work you know it's very like it was very it's the style to me is very ink heavy like thick black lines and a lot of things, very magnola you know? yes exactly and like by and large I, I like it but there, there, there are definitely times where I was reading it and I was like eh, eh, <laughs> gotcha and let's talk about some of the side characters. Mm. The O'Dare family. Love the O'Dare family. Like, I just... And one of the reasons I love them is because as I'm reading, like, when they first appear, as I'm reading it, I just assumed that we were... I was reading about a bunch of kind of, like, throwaway, you know, villain of the week, friend of the week, side characters, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, it, it 
culminates in this like when they're in the not in the shadow world like where, where they when they get sucked into the posters what was that that world called I forget no, what it was like but with the demon right yeah. and it, but it, it all it like it all came full circle at the end with all of the Oderas and I was like oh shit other that that was like I was I didn't expect that I, I didn't mm-hmm. see it coming it was like really masterful storytelling honestly right uh, it it was great and I loved the reoccurrence of the theme of um, resur- um not resurrection um reincarnation yes yes absolutely and we, we find out that um another not heroic character but um roguish mm-hmm. uh the shade he was my favorite part of the story honestly absolutely like, agree with you 100 yeah. he's so much more in in my heart is the star of this show than even Jack. I was going to say the exact same thing. I really felt that it was the story was more built around him in a lot of ways than it was around Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Like he he just it and I I've always I'm always drawn to characters like The Shade because I I just I I just have a thing for characters that are they don't they're they're, they're not, you know, blindly heroic, but they're not blindly villainous either. Kind of somewhere in the middle, you know, but Altruistic, almost, you know, like yeah. they're morally flexible, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, whatever the circumstances call for, he's going to be that guy. He's going to be the guy you need to be at that moment. Yep. Um, and Opal needs him to be a whole bunch of things. And one of the things that I loved about the shade is uh, we've seen him in Justice League, um, the cartoon, so good, Justice League yep. Unlimited. Uh, he was um, just so friggin' awesome. And my favorite part is that um, he he traveled. Right. He went. He never never did a crime in Opal ever. Opal was he, you, and that goes to the maxim: you don't shit where you bake your bread. Yeah. So I I love that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's like he he was yeah. Cause you you couldn't classify him as an out and out villain or a hero. But like the one constant was like nobody is gonna fuck with my city. Mm-hmm. Kind of just like you were we were just saying with Doom and Latveria, right? Like take over the world, blah blah, whatever. But Doom's like, do not fuck with my people. Like yeah. that will be the end of you. You know? <laughs> yes, of course. And I mean, and if there's one character that you knew, if you were gonna go up against, you were gonna be outmatched, outclassed, outthought, out everything, it's doom. And with the shade, they, James Robinson started to build that. Yeah. Um, the, that uh, grace, that poise, and that yes. the grace that he had is pretty badass. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, I'm picturing like, uh, like, like, like Ralph Fiennes, you know, like, like that, I can see him in like, in that kind of role, you know, Ray Fiennes, ever say his name's right. Like you can see him in that kind of role. And I just, he was my favorite character of what I've read. And, you know, back on the artwork, those were some of the panels that I loved the most. Like Tony Harris's style, I feel like mm-hmm. just really lent itself to drawing the shade and his powers and his abilities. Like those were some of the best panels in the entire book for me. Then wait, wait till. Yeah. Uh, book two. Yeah. You're gonna, oh, my God, it's going to be great. Um, yeah, what, 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 what was his, uh, uh, James Robinson's run on this? How long did it last? It was uh, 80, it was 80, was it 81? 82, I think he did eight. He did 80 proper. Right. He did a zero hour because yep. this came from zero hour. Right. So let's talk about that, actually, because I wanted to, because to, I, I felt, yeah, it felt to me like the, 
like a, a lot of the stuff that we've already talked about, right? It, it felt to me like it was DC was trying to um, rebrand, reinvigorate, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like try something new with this character. Like going back to again, David being shot through the chest in the old hokey Starman costume. Right. That to me, I felt was like a way of saying, like, okay, this is not the Starman. That's not your parents' Starman, yeah. right? Yeah. So this was not your your parents' Starman <laughs> or your grandparents' yeah. actually. When when you think about it, um, so. Zero Hour came, and they were trying to clean up their continuity. Right. And part of their continuity was... Um, it's DC's favorite thing to do is clean uh, up their continuity. Uh, which, just <laughs> leave it alone. That's all you have to do is leave it alone, and it'll take care of itself. Um, Zero Hour was um, Parallax. Right. Parallax came with Extant, who was um, Hawk. Yes. From Armageddon 2000. So they're like, let's just, we'll sweep away a whole bunch of crap. Yeah. And part of that crap that they're going to sweep away is the JSA. <laughs> so the Justice Society of America um, is about to get um, their asses whooped. Right. So they did. Um, come along, zero hour, um, hyper-powered by Parallax. Extant uh, goes, takes on the JSA, kills uh, Dr. Midnight, Our Man, and The Atom. Okay. And ages all the other guys up to their, their current ages, which is like in their 90s. Right. Back in the day. If you were fighting uh, Nazis. Nazis! You're fighting <laughs> Nazis in the 40s, and it's 1995. Yeah. So, yeah, you're a little long in the tooth. That's very true, yeah. And uh, so he goes and he just he messes up everything about them so you've got uh ted knight who is closer to his actual age so say he's in his like 60s or 70s or looks looks 60 or 70 at this point and starts to feel that way too yeah so he's not putting on the red and green ever again which is why he gave it to the mantle to david right because jack didn't want it and he had to he being a pragmatic man said all right i'll wait till jack comes and get it but david can do it for now and little did he know that his um, his greatest foe, the Mist, was about to, well, pretty much destroy his life. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what he did. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it's it's crazy to me how the story starts because you don't you don't very often see you know runs of of story arcs like this, especially one that's essentially introducing a brand new character, mm-hmm. start that way. You know, it's like because yes. Night one, just life is just turned upside down mm-hmm. from these this you know old arch enemy, right? And then it, and then it continues, you know, with with his daughter, right? Nash, and yeah. yeah. And it's it's just uh, yeah that that whole when she kidnaps him and like makes him run through that gauntlet, and he's, oh he's just in like his underwear, like it's just. <laughs> and essentially, in that that thing, she, um, she had sex with him. She, yeah, uh, she she sexually assaulted him. Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah, yeah, you did. This is the nineties. That's how these things that's, went. Right? That's how it rolled. And and now now correct me if I'm wrong too, but this came out at a time where, um, you know, DC was kind of because after Zero Hour, right? This was right around the time of uh, Death of Superman and all of the, you know, uh, John Henry Irons and, you know, Superboy yeah. clone and eventually Electric yeah. Superman, which was not very well received at the time, you no. know, right? So th- this was like kind of a, not like a like a money winner, but like like it, it was like it was a bright spot it in, was a in DC. It was a palate cleanser. Yeah, right? 
So yeah, this was a palate cleanser. This is this harkened back to like the good old storytelling days of DC Comics, like back when you know they had anthology books that actually sold. Right. So you're like, wow, this is cool. And that's the one thing that I loved about James Robinson. Um, he that man could dangle a plot thread for months and just leave it hanging out there. And damn if he didn't. Yeah. Like a whole bunch of them. And he introduced new characters that you wouldn't see, um, you know, come to fruition for five or six months later. Right. Which hadn't been seen really well done since, I'm, I'm going to say, like, um, Claremont's X-Men. Right. You know, cause, but there's a guy who dangled way too many. Like yeah. 8,000 plot threads <laughs> that are... St- there's still, there's still out there. some hangers. Yeah, there's still some out there. Like um, that, the the woman that uh, Magneto dated, her name was uh, Alitsis Forrest. Yes, I remember that. Scott Summers was dating after Jean Grey died. So she's still out there someplace. We don't know where, but she's still out there. Um, and the, uh, oh my God, the... Um, uh, the the news anchor team that would, yes. that would follow the X Men around. Yes, yeah, yeah. They're, they're still out there somewhere they're waiting for their so- scoop. <laughs> so yeah, but he he dangled those those threads, and most of them, I think that there weren't too many that didn't get uh, tied up. Yeah, no. He, he James Robinson did a really good. Again, I haven't finished yet, but from from what I've read so far, did a really good job of just bringing everything together, bringing it to fruition and really mm-hmm. making you feel like it was, you were reading a complete story with like fully formed characters. Right. And his cast of characters is very intriguing. Like charity. Yes. The psychic. Yep. Wow. Yeah. You know, just, she came out of left field. Pretty damn cool. Hope O'Dare. Another one that you're like, damn, that is cool as hell. Yeah, definitely. Um, she was, she is badass, And, um, you're gonna find out a little bit later. Yeah. what happens there? That's with that's, hope. With hope, she's she's oh man, she is she's sexy, she's fierce, and she's like definitely a '90s woman. Oh uh, yeah, okay. So yep, yeah. <laughs> taking control of herself. Uh, and Matt O'Dare. Mm-hmm. We've got Matt O'Dare, who is the rogue. He was um, a crooked cop who went straight. Yep, and. Then we've got Mason, and who is uh, Mason is like the, the the daredevil. Yes, he's the daredevil cop. And then there's one other who, uh, pain in the ass, pain in the ass cop. And then there's Clarence, who's yeah. like the leader of of the gang. Yeah, he's like the patriarch. Yeah, yeah. And I like Clarence is just awesome. Yeah, I love Clarence. So, no, I, I and I yeah the O'Dares were definitely characters, but the yeah the the psychic. Um, she, yeah, totally came out of left field. But like when I first saw her character and that first interaction, I did, I had to go back and read it a couple of times. And I'm like, what the hell is happening here? Cause it's like not immediately apparent kind of right. who she is or what her abilities are. If she even has any abilities, right. You're just kind of in this little scene and, and she seems to be like predicting the future and it's a little confusing. Um, so I had to read it a couple of times and then eventually, yeah, it really does kind of come full circle later on. You're like, that's just a very cool character. And I know you met Sadie, but do you know who Sadie is? I don't think Did I've you? gotten to that part yet. Okay. What her reveal is. Then I'm not going to break. I'm no, not going to ruin you can, it. You can spoil it for me. I'm not going to spoil Oh, I don't want to spoil oh, it. Oh, damn anyway. it. Okay, I'll go out again. <laughs> You're going to have to read. Um, yeah. Sadie, who is do becomes Jack's paramour. Yep. Um, she is a um, 
again, fully formed character. You, well, you may not have seen her, but she's been seen in DC Comics before. Right. Just you don't know. And you're about to. Oh, I love it. It's pretty cool. Now, does this all, is this on Earth 2? No, this Earth, is on this is on Earth main, Zero. Earth Zero, yeah. okay. This is Earth Main. Okay. This is where the Justice Society begat the Justice League. Gotcha, okay. And, so yeah. it's like the prime continuity, yeah. okay. Because I, was, yeah, I wasn't sure, because I know, like, Justice Society sometimes is, you know, like, Earth 2 right. type stuff, right? And then, you know, I, I, I just, it's so hard for me to keep track of everything with DC. Right. <laughs> and you've you've gone through a couple of the, uh, a date with David's or... Um, yeah. The day with David, uh, which is pretty cool. Those I Those I found to be very fascinating also, because that was also... It just it felt very different for me in terms of comic book storytelling, right? Um, just the because it was a whole issue, right? Like just yeah. and, and multiple issues, right? The, the days with David, right? And just that that those were issues where getting back to the art, where the art really stood out to me too. The the especially the black and white of it right. all, like it just it, it really that Tony Harris's art really got lent to that style as well in those scenes, and it was really cool because it it, it gave you a way to. Um, develop Jack's character, um, but also give you this character of David who you really didn't know at all because right. he died on the second page of the first issue, right? So it was a very cool way to to build that brotherly kind of bond and connection and help Jack in the real world repair and grow his relationship with his father. Right, and it also gave um, Jack the respite he needed. It's These yeah. were interludes where he was like, Running full steam for like weeks on end, and then boom, David would pop up, and you you knew that Jack was going to get a breather, mm-hmm. and he was going to learn a <laughs> as as weird as it sounds. Jack Jack's going to learn a lesson, <laughs> so you're like, oh my god, uh, what what is this? And you see things, you you learn a little bit about the dynamic between the brothers. You learn about the dynamic of the father, and you learn about um, you know. All the family ties. Yeah, I, I, I just, again, going back to the family, it's one of my favorite parts of the story um, because it's, again, I feel like it's things you don't always get in comic books, like the family dynamics mm-hmm. of it. Um, but one of the things I really loved about the character of, um, of Jack in particular and his relationship with his father is that I, I, I couldn't think of another time where there was a like really a truly reluctant hero, right? Um, you know, like, or let me rephrase that. You've had reluctant heroes, but reluctant in his in his sense, right? Like normally when you get the reluctant hero trope, it's reluctant and the threat is something world-ending, you mm-hmm. know? But this wasn't, there was no world-ending threat, right? You know, you, you had the missed crime spree, you know, you can kind of say, but it starts with the vendetta against Ted right. and Jack kind of taking that up and he doesn't want to be a hero at all, right? And like that, that to me is an interesting... I think it's a very unique character archetype because you've got, you know, you've you've had by this point, you've got your plenty of renegade heroes, plenty of your Punisher type, morally ambiguous heroes, plenty of obviously your Star Spangled heroes, right? But there weren't at the time a lot of heroes like Jack who like just really didn't want to be a hero um, and really didn't need to be a hero at the onset either, but kind of got forced into it. And by way of other things unfolding, that was, you know, I just, I just found that, that character craft very unique. Yes. Yes. I think that that's, 
That's one way of doing it. Yeah. That's one way of putting that out there, and I love it. Uh, for me, you had Ted Knight who became a hero because he had enough money, and it was the you know the 40s, and he saw what's coming up on the horizon. Yeah. He sees the Nazi, the, the threat of Nazism. He's like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to be a superhero. Right. Because it's new and it's different. And then you have David who did it because he saw his father doing it. And he wanted to do it because I love my dad. And that's, it got him killed. Yep. And then you've got Jack who's, um, you know, if you look at, at his past and, and you're going to see more as you, you delve in to the, the latter part of the book. Right. That uh, he wasn't a good kid. Right. He he got into trouble. He was rebellious. And he was he was a lot like yeah. juvenile delinquents. Right. You know, yeah. and um, most of that happened after his mother passed away. Right. And so uh, Ted was never there. And Ted was, there was one, it was in, I believe, Stargirl, where they have... Um, Sylvester Pemberton goes over, and we were just talking about uh, Sly. <laughs> Sylvester Pemberton, the Star Spangled Kid, right? Who took um, Ted's cosmic rod and turned it into a cosmic converter belt, mm-hmm. and it made him more agile. It allowed him to harness, you know, the power of the sun and fly and create um, force fields around him. Yeah, and it was sort of like his Green Lantern ring. He was pretty damn powerful with that thing. Um, but he went to Ted, and he said um, he wanted to talk to him. And he bumps into Jack, and Jack's there with, like, a nose ring, and he's looking like Johnny Rotten. <laughs> and he's like, ah, you, you know, yeah. ah, look who it is. It's the star-spangled brown noser, you know, <laughs> like giving, giving uh, Sly all sorts of shit. And he... Um, Something happens, and Jack does something, you know, that is uncharacteristically heroic. And um, Sly had gone to Ted to ask to to use the name Starman, and he's like, "No, he's like, <laughs> I, that that role is going to be filled by somebody else." Yeah, it's like, "Don't worry about it. I'm, you know, I'm going to call myself Skyman." Because he didn't tell that to Jack. He told it to Ted. Right. Because at the end of the, the comic, Ted's like, why did you come here, Sylvester? He's like, nothing. No reason. <laughs> Just wanted to see you. Yeah. Tell you thanks for everything. And then, you know, he the next day he becomes Skyman. Right. You know, with the um, uh, Infinity Inc. And um, I, I've always wondered why he didn't become Starman himself. But then that came in, and I was like, God damn, that's awesome. And that was written by Jeff Johns. Okay. So I was like, wow, that's badass. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and really, really well, it fit right into the continuity. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty dope. And we've got, we haven't even talked about what, what Jack is like as a person. Yeah. Jack is, Jack's a, um, a collector. Mm-hmm. He collects old stuff. He loves the old stuff. He is... Um, he goes to flea markets, and he's he's an he's an American picker. Yeah, which is like I love that. Which is you get that subtle nod in his costume. He's got those mm-hmm. like World War II aviator yep. goggles, which is like I love. And he's got the the sheriff's badge. Yes, yes, I, that's a, such a cool outfit. Yeah, like, it really is. Um, but so I wanted to ask about some of the powers and the abilities. Sure. Because I was 
struggling at first to understand it. So, like, starting with Ted Knight, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't have any actual powers. It's just the cosmic staff, I guess. It's always the the cosmic rod. Right, yeah, okay. And then, so same with Jack, right? No, you know, abilities or anything. No, it's but just... the rod is better than the staff. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the staff is better than the rod. Right, it's like an the upgrade. Rod, yeah. Yeah. But it's much bulkier. Right. It's bigger and, you know, he's got to carry it. Right. And the 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 rod, you could just, or the uh, the staff, no, the rod. Yeah. The rod, you could just, he had a holster for it. Right. And uh, the rod would uh, allow him to, like, shoot beams of power. Yep. Heat, whatever, like a laser, uh, blind his opponents if he, you know, spread it out and uh, allow him to fly and, you know, deflect bullets. Right. The uh, the cosmic staff has, it's, like you said, an upgrade. Um, big enough, if you get a big enough staff or hook it up to a big enough power, um, a, a power outlet, you can, like, create a uh, force field defending a whole city. Right. You could, you know, laser beam possibly um like the death star. Yeah. You can destroy somebody. But does it but it doesn't give them any additional like it doesn't make them like super strong. No. Like they can fly, yes I but they're still just a regular ass dude, right? Regular like, ass dude, yeah. but you can do things with it. Like right. he could extend his force field and uh carry shit with it. Oh, like, uh, okay, like cool. Carry a car. Yeah. Or carry, you know, up camel. I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> Carry a camel. <laughs> popped in. I don't know why. Right. <laughs> no, I like that. Um, so the other question I had, because you're the you're 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 the expert here on these things, so I need to know. Um, the other star men that are referenced throughout the the book. Yes. Right. Um, I'm at the point where the most prevalent one right now is uh, Michael, the the blue alien. They've mentioned other ones, you know, from right. the very beginning. We haven't gotten to them yet. So, like, what? So, so that says to me there were other people with the mantle of Starman in between, yes. you know, Ted and David, and then Jack. Right. There were. And similar, but not with, like, the staff rod. These are, like, different beings, different powers, right? Completely different. Now, like, is that, is that, like, so I I guess the question for me is, like, was that just DC? Do you think we're just going to have 17 different people named Starman? Are they all really? (laughs) So James Robinson was kind of the one that found a way, like, let's connect them. They connected all of them. Got it. And there was a great poster that Alex Ross had done that had all the Starmen. Yeah. So there was, um... There was the original Starman. Right. Then after that was Prince, um, not Prince Gavin, but um, Michael. Michael, yes. Michael, who is going to tie into someone in the future. Okay. You'll see. Yeah. Um, Because I want you to continue reading. You know, I'm going to finish. I'm like, I'm I'm absolutely loving it. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's 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 a I'm telling you, it's a huge thing. Well, honestly, you know what the, you know what the the hardest thing about it is to read? It's, it's just the, like the, the first, like, 50 pages are the hardest to read because the book is so it's like a it's bigger than a textbook you know yeah, and like, like the you're, bible right you're, you're you're trying to like get the like you know you don't want to like damage the the binding gotcha. you're trying to like open it right gotcha. and you've got like 50 pounds of weight on the other side right, you're yeah. reading the first like five pages yeah, like trying you know? not to like push down on it <laughs> yeah. gotcha um once you get past that first you know 50 pages you're good yeah um <laughs> but we've got uh michael the blue skin mm-hmm we got Solomon Grundy, who has nothing to do except he was instrumental in killing Star Spangled Kid. Star Spangled Kid, right? That so that that was another one of those things. I remember uh, when I got to Solomon Grundy, I was like, 
the hell is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> like it just it felt very out of place. And this was that point in time where he had like lost his memory and he right. was kind of like this gentle giant type of thing. But I but then I was like I saw a tie back to oh, okay, so he was one of the people that yeah. killed. But I was just like I was like that was but, but cool. I, I saw him Grundy is a cool character. You know, of course, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. And uh, then there was um, Prince Gavin, who actually was in Justice League Unlimited. Yes. He um, he had originally a blue and yellow costume with blonde hair. Yes. And he had goggles. Not Booster Gold. No. <laughs> and then he changed his costume to red and gold with the yellow goggles. Yep. Again, not Booster Gold. <laughs> um, and then there was Will Payton, who was my favorite of all the um, uh, of all of the star men. Right. Uh, up to that point. It was done by uh, Roger Stern and Tom Lyle. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh Roger so, Stern. Yeah. I love I, Tom. I like Tom Lyle's art a lot too. Yeah. yeah. Me too. He was phenomenal on yeah. Robin. Oh my god. Yeah. So, um, but they, had, it's just this guy who is out in Phoenix, Arizona, <laughs> and he's uh, he was bumming around. He was in between jobs and he was trying to figure out what to do with his life, and he got hit by a meteor, <coughs> and they they thought he was dead. Yeah. He was missing for a month. Jesus. And then he gets up and walks out of the desert. He's like, that was weird. Yeah. He was out of commission for a month. Right. Um, he had been infused with this, whatever that power was. Right. And um, he could change his facial shape and he could fly. He, he had uh, limited invulnerability mm-hmm. and uh, he could like glow like a star. Super strength, not Superman's level, but you know. Yeah. Spider-Man's level. Yeah. And, um, a certain amount of super speed and, like I said, limited invulnerability. And he could also, like like a star, uh, get really, really hot. Right. So, uh, and he was really cool. He died. Um, they had the Eclipso Wars. Mm-hmm. And he died during that. Right. So, it was, uh, that kind of sucked. And he was he was a dick about it, too. Yeah. He died because he was going up against Monel. Okay. And Monel's like, "What's your problem, Peyton?" And he's like, <laughs> "Shut up, douche!" And you know, you got like two of the, two of I think the coolest superheroes like mouthing off to each other. Like, Come on, <laughs> it was Valor uh, Largand. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's he died on the moon because of Eclipso. Okay, uh, and then you'll you'll see him a little bit later. Right, and his is an interesting story. And then you've got um, David. And David fought Will Payton for the right to use the name Starman. Oh, really? Okay. I like that. David went after him. Yeah. And he was being goaded by the mist. So Oh, it's all part of the grand scheme. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I was like, wow, that's weird. Right. (laughs) So, but um, then Will Payton just kicked his ass. (laughs) And then um, David was killed. And then we have Jack. Yep. And Jack is, Jack is, like you said, a reluctant hero, but a hero nonetheless. Yep. He's, he's not what Opal City wants, but he's what Opal City needs. Exactly. <laughs> so then the last question I have, or last thing I want to talk about with this is, um, cause I've been, I've, I've read, I've read, I've read more recent DC stuff than I have, you know, past DC stuff, especially like with rebirth and everything. Um, and I know, uh, like I know shade pops up in flash rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, but where is Jack Knight now in terms of DC continuity? Cause I don't of the new DC stuff that I've read, I haven't seen 
any Starman, really, or especially not okay. Jack Knight's Starman. So I'm just curious, like, is he still around? Is he, like, prevalent in he's storytelling? still retired. Uh, he's got two kids. Oh. Yeah, I'm Jack kidding. settled down, huh? Um, yes. Or, 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 or the kids just... We think, <laughs> no, we think yeah. he settled down. Um, and you'll... From what I understand, he, he hasn't come out of retirement for anybody or yeah. anything. So, and there have been a couple of crises where they could have used him. Okay. So, no, we haven't we haven't seen hide nor hair. The closest we did was we saw what the shade was up to um, in Starman number 81, which they um, trotted out for um, the Blackest Night. Oh, uh, okay. Very cool. Very so, cool. Yeah. So and then- it, it was less about... Uh, Starman, Jack, Knight. Yeah, and it was about Shade and Hope O'Dare. Oh, I like that. So yeah, that that's a good, that's going to be a good story. So Jack Knight's basically waiting for someone like a like a Bendis to come around and be like, "Hey, let's take this character that hasn't been used in twenty five years." I'm to- kind of hoping not, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had. It's it's one of those things where you do want to go back and see what your old friends are doing. Yeah, but it's like the case of uh, Did you ever read To Kill a Mockingbird? Yes. Of course you did. You went to Christian Brothers Academy. What am I thinking? <laughs> did you ever read to set a Watchman? No. Okay, that was the follow-up that she did. There's a sequel to that book? There was, yes. <laughs> and if that was the kind of book you had a sequel to. <laughs> no, really, but and uh, it's the kind of book that if you do have a sequel to, it's bound to let you down. Yeah, definitely. And yep. unfortunately, this one did as well. But, um, yeah, you want, and no matter how much you want to see your old friends... Sometimes it's better to just let them live their lives. Yeah, I think I'd be okay with that too, yeah. probably. And in this case, I think that Jack Knight is—he's um, living his best life out in San Francisco, where he and Sadie moved to. I like that. I like I like when you can get a hero that has kind of a beginning and an end. Yeah, and yeah. that's you know I would never want to go see what Jesse Custer is up to from Preacher because <laughs> it would be so anticlimactic. Yeah, absolutely. What have you been up to? He's like, nothing as good as what happened. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's cool. Uh, I absolutely love that. Uh, any final thoughts on Starman? Uh, our, next time we come back, you should. We'll do yes. the rest. Yes, we will finish this off and we'll talk about it, and then I'll give you Starman Volume Two. Yes. So now I'm thinking talking. we've got uh, three more. Uh, of these to do for Starman. Beautiful. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Sounds great. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, I'm Matt. I'm Mike. And, and we, we read, read comics. comics.